Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup, Energy Sports' longest-running football show. My name is Jack Donnelly and we've arrived at the second international break of the season, one which has the potential to be the most important in Scotland's recent history. Before we get to that all-important playoff final, though, we've got league action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football to discuss. Of course, I can't do this on my own, so I'm joined by my regular co-host on this show, Struan Garvey, alongside Ener- uh, Energy Extra Time host, Sean McGee. I forgot your show for a second there. That's, uh, How dare you? That's, that's poor of me. I, I apologise. <laughs> I do apologise. Sorry, mate, don't worry about it. It's quite forgettable. <laughs> it won't be forgettable after this week's one, I can tell you that for a fact. <laughs> we've got we've got a plan for extra time this week, don't we, Sean? We definitely do. Who's going to come out number 30? No one knows. <laughs> Get ready for a surprise return to Radio Energy. <laughs> so someone's going to end up saying something that we can't put in on that podcast. Oh, that. Okay. The edit on that is going to be horrendous. And I don't envy you for having to do it yourself. <laughs> Uh, as always on this show, we kick off with the big question. This is where I take something that's happened in football over the weekend and put a spin on it to ask the panel a question that's equal parts thought-provoking and ridiculous. We saw the latter of those two on last week's big question with my um, game show transfer mm. announcement battle that just did not get picked up by anyone in the show. <laughs> but Graham Sinclair went and dominated everyone in the group chat after <laughs> listening to it. Yeah, uh, did. But this week, uh, I wanted to talk about... Uh, Dream 11s for your team. We're constantly debating in group chats <clears throat> over which players are better than others, who deserve to play over someone else. And after seeing Spurs starting Harry Kane, Gareth Bale, and Hyung Min Son together for the first time, part of me thought that all three of these players could potentially be included in an all time Spurs 11. So, that being said, who would you say, would you, who would you have, sorry, in your club's all time best 11? Struan, you, you can go. For either United or Hibs, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna limit you to the to one, and I'm not gonna count your countless other clubs. Sean, you've got an oh. unenviable task of having to pick eleven of Kelly's all time best players. Eleven <laughs> good players for come on. And see, um, I'm not even gonna consider doing air for mine because I know for a fact there's not been eleven good players to play for air. There's never been eleven. I've said that a couple of times, but this is definitely one of the ones where we should have had pre one. <laughs> You're making me even a living on this spot. Right, I mean, I've got I've got mine written down. Of course you do. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, I, I, just in case anyone was struggling and they wanted is me it, to go first, so is they it a think. Chelsea team? It is a Chelsea team. You're correct. Can I ask if Kurt Zuma is a centre half? I was so tempted, you know. <laughs> I, I was really tempted just for my own enjoyment, but well, Stuart, I suppose you're going to have to ask me for what my whole team is to find out what my centre back. Wait, while, I'm, while you're doing yours, I'm going to write mine, Jack. Should I be doing, like, my lifetime or, like, all Prob- time? Probably. Well, no, no, I, I will, we'll say all time. I wasn't here to watch lifetime. Pat Nevin play for Kelly. So, <laughs> I don't know. I could have included him in Chelsea's as well, to be fair. Be, what a legend. Uh, right, I'll go for mine first. Uh, for uh, all-time best Chelsea eleven, uh, I'd be hard-pressed to put anyone other than Petr Cech in goal. Uh, uh, leading a Premier League clean sheet holder. Uh, one of the best goalkeepers in the world at his at the peak of his powers, and all having three quarters of a skull left in his head. Uh, up in the defence, right back was tough to nail down, but based purely on the trophy haul and his uncanny ability to pop up in the big moments, uh, Branislav Ivanovic gets an odd at right back. The centre back pairing is unsurprisingly the two that conceded a total of fifteen goals throughout a league season. Uh, that being, of course, Ricardo Carvalho and John Terry. Um, Does I know how harsh an Aspilicueta? No. I don't, I don't think mm. so. Do you know what? I think Aspilicueta is one of the most underrated players in the Premier League. Oh, no, oh, no, I, I think, think he I is do very completely underrated. Agree. I completely agree with you. He is heavily underrated. But mm. I think just in terms of like contribution and trophy hall, I think Ivanovic edges uh, Aspilicueta out slightly. Okay, Jack. Okay. Uh, left back unsurprisingly uh, the man who shoots air rifles at youth team players uh, Ashley Cole again one of the best left backs in the world at at the peak of his powers and really set the the precedent for for what a modern full back should be Uh, up in midfield this is where I had the most trouble was uh, my midfield three because I wanted to play three across the front Lampard's in attacking midfield obviously uh, club's all-time top goal scorer at the high scoring midfielder in Premier League history. One one of the best midfielders in the world at the peak of it. I return to this point, but it was a case that 
Chelsea did have some absolute world beaters on their books for a time. Uh, then I've got I've gone more defensive for my for my pairing. I, I was very very close to including Michael Ballack in this team, but Matt Damon, and Matt, Matt Damon himself. But I went for a pairing of Michael Essien and Claude Makélélé. I like that. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. Claude Makélélé, of course, he basically invented a position that other midfielders have tried to adopt in years to come, and none have been as successful as he had. The probably the closest person coming, uh, the closest person to achieving what he did in that role, is N'Golo Kanté in his work at Chelsea and Leicester. So. I'm not. I'm not going to be un- unhappy with how that's worked out. And Michael Essien just was a player that could do everything. Really, he could, he could smack them from distance. He could take players on. He could break up attacks without really breaking a sweat. He was just phenomenal. Uh, in the attacking line, Eden Hazard on the left, I think, uh, just had the ability to really grab the game, grab a game by the scuff of the neck, and win games single-handedly. And he did for the majority of Maurizio Sarri's uh, tenure as Chelsea manager. Uh, up front, the king of big game situations is Didier Drogba, of course. The the, the man who cemented Chelsea's uh, best moment in their history by sealing that final penalty against Manuel Neuer at the Allianz Arena in the 2012 Champions League final. And right wing was tough for me, but it's a, it's a toss-up between two. And it's Aryan Robin and Solomon Kalou. That doesn't sound like much of a toss-up, Jack. My my only question is where Jose Bazingo is in this lineup. Jose Bazingo is still waiting for him. <laughs> He's polishing his Champions League winner's medal in the in the in the background stream. Don't worry. Ah, okay. Just 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 so you're aware. Well, that's mine. I, like I think I think that just shows you know how good Chelsea's midfield has been in the Premier League era. Mm. You know, you can mention like Fabregas, Kante, and Balik, and they, they might not even crack it. I know. I think it just shows how strong that midfield has been. I can safely say uh, the thought of Willian making this team did not enter my mind once. You'll be, you'll be glad to know. Uh, Struan, I feel, I feel like it'll be easier for you to nail down a Man United uh, best 11 than it would be Sean getting a Kelly one sorted. So we'll come to you next. Uh, okay, I've already kind of chopped and changed it. So goalkeeper, I've gone with Van der Sar. Okay. I think Isaac could have gone with Kasper Schmeichel or... <laughs> my- <laughs> he could have done if he'd played for the club. Uh, yeah, so I'm a Man United fan and I know my players' names. Um, could have gone for Peter Schmeichel, um, travel winning goalkeeper. Or I think there's also a case for David de Gea in there. But I went for Van der Sar. I no, think he I, I wouldn't say de Gea ahead of Schmeichel or Van der Sar. Nah, I think I think he's he's probably third. He's got third lockdown. But I, I think I'd go Van der Sar. Just personally, never really saw Peter Schmeichel actually play. Yeah. And I think I think Van der Sar came to United at quite a late point in his career and still achieved so mm-hmm. much. I got a really, really famous penalty save in the Champions League final as well, just Thanks. in the history. Thanks. Nah, that's no problem. That's no problem at all. <laughs> uh, right back basically has to be Gary Neville. <laughs> There's not really a lot of right backs, is there? No, tempted by Raphael, but I mean, ne- Neville was a pretty good player. Uh, Centre backs have gone with Vidic and Stam. Oh, for Could easily have had, you know, the likes of Pallister, Bruce, Ferdinand, but I've, I've gone for Vidic and Stam. I think they individually were probably the best. Left back, I've gone for Evra over Dennis mm-hmm. Irwin. I think. Well, it's your lifetime as well, so. Yeah, I, th- I think like that's kind of the theme. I've only got one player from the past who, of course, I'm going to include. Who we'll get to the. Uh, I've gone for a four-four-two. Ferguson, you know, uh, I've got Keenan Scholes in the midfield. Absolutely tremendous players, you know. <laughs> Keenan, he's on Sky Sports now, but he was he was absolutely fantastic in the Juventus game in the Champions League in 1999. He basically ran the show. Mm-hmm. On the wings, I've gone for Ryan Giggs, you know, pretty decorated player, phenomenal. What a, what a few trophies, didn't he? Yeah, just a few, but, you know, he was didn't didn't have a bad left foot either. And on the right wing, I've gone for George Best, who... Oh, over... Did... Oh, I, I, don't know, I don't know where you're factoring in a certain Portuguese winger. Oh, the best player of all time is in this team, don't worry. Oh, right. but, oh um... he said that. He's oh, put that claim oh, in there as well. He is, I, I, happily. Uh, I've gone to George Best, of course, did play for Hibs, so there's a bit of a connection there as well. Uh, yeah, he, he was just absolutely phenomenal, George Best, in the past. One of the players that I wish I could have seen at some point, but he was fantastic. And then the two strikers up top, I've gone for Rooney, the club's all-time top goal scorer, you know, he won everything at club level. And a certain Cristiano Ronaldo is the other one up beside him as well, who is, as previously mentioned in my opinion, the best player of all time. Oh, they're so It's so harsh on a lot of strikers. 
But I, I know mean, it's, when you, it's... That you've had so many good strikers, Van Nistelrooy. You would even count like Solskjaer in there, Dw- uh, Dwight York, uh, Cole, Sheringham, all these players, and even like Law and Tevez to yeah. maybe an extent. I'm I'm just realizing as well because like you've kind of opened it up to maybe a bit before your time. I could have had the likes of uh, Frank LeBeouf. I could have had. Uh, Gianfranco Zola in there for Chelsea, Rude Hurlett for a while, Marcel Desailly, Stevie Clark, of course. <laughs> Steve Clark was voted Chelsea's best ever right back at one point, like before I think Ivanovic mm-hmm. Aspilicueta sort of time. I know. I think I think before, before they arrived, I think there wasn't really a better right back than than our Scotland manager. I told you I'm going to make it about Scotland this whole podcast. You did. You, you did. You did warn us. <laughs> you did warn us. We're going to link every point back to Thursday. Uh, no, that's a that's a very solid team, very solid indeed. Sean, have you come to a conclusion over a of our best Kelly eleven? And how many players do you reckon that Stuart and I will actually know from this lot? Is there a quite a lot there? because the majority of it is is the Steve Clark team that first started. <laughs> 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 that's the only pretty decent team I've seen, um, and I've uh, been tempted to go for the the Scotland approach of playing as many midfielders as I can like because that. we've had pretty decent set of midfielders. So, and goals, goals is actually, I've said this before, Kelly have had pretty good goalkeepers over the years, Cammy Bell, uh, Jamie McDonald, Freddie Woodman, but Dan Backman's the best I've yeah. seen, um, he's absolutely immense in that season, uh, right back Stephen O'Donnell, hey. um, still laugh at Stephen O'Donnell, I didn't laugh, um, I said, I said well, hey, <laughs> who will start at right back, right wing back on Thursday, the he will, um, Manuel Pascali is my first centre back. He was uh, captain a lot of the time. I was growing mm-hmm. up, uh, completely liable to make an absolute idiot of himself, but he was very passionate, and that's what I like. Um, Stuart Finlay is the other centre back, and then uh, our record of a transfer fee, Greg Taylor, is mm-hmm. the left back. Um, I've gone for four in midfield, and I've had to miss out Alan Power, which I'm sad about because I do love Alan Power, but it's a diamond. Uh, Dicker at the base, your two sort of runabouty ones are Yusuf Malumbu. Box to box, uh, some would call that. <laughs> runabouty ones, actually. I prefer runabouty. <laughs> runabouty is probably a, is a better <laughs> definition of a technical term, that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Yusuf Malumbu and Craig Bryson. I think people forget how good Craig Bryson was at Kelly and then went on to have a, a really good career at Derby. Uh, Alexei Domenko is at the top of the diamond, mm-hmm. best player I've ever seen play for Kilmarnock, an absolute baller. And, oh, he has said that. Um, front two is quite staunch. I've got uh, Stephen Naismith, who was the record signing before, or fee received before Greg Taylor, and the Premiership's top ever goal scorer, Chris Boyd. That is a, that's, a, that's a staunch front two. That's not a bad team. I reckon that's, that's, no, that's good. That'd be better than this season Celtic. <laughs> to be fair, I'm not. <laughs> I don't know if I can argue that to be honest. Like my my air side of me wants to, but my realistic side, I'm like, eh, nitty. Uh, we're gonna start our show good and proper after thirteen and a half minutes uh, by chewing the football yeah. from up here in Scotland. After a month of a full set of fixtures, at any point we were actually treated to a full batch of Premiership fixtures to get through this weekend. After St Mirren were finally allowed to kick a ball again, uh, oh. one place we need to start though is Ibrooks because. Rangers have done it again, haven't they? Like they've they just completely ripped through Hamilton to keep a nine point lead at the top of the Scottish Premiership with Steven Gerrard's side running out as eight to nil winners. Strewing five different goal scorers, nearly eighty percent possession, and all without conceding a shot on a shot. Not a shot in the game. I, felt like, <laughs> I was I was gonna say shot on target, but it was just a full shot. Like no one had a shot at Rangers goal. How, when when was the last time we saw as dominant a performance as this in the Scottish leagues? Oh, not 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 too recent. Like, I'm probably gonna miss a really obvious game here, but it was just crazy. Celtic won a couple of sevens last season. I'm sure our hearts correspond that we shout in the ten now against Cowden B. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can we really claim a ten now against Cowden B? has been as impressive a result over. Hibernian did Maybe. beat Hamilton six 0 a little while ago. But it's not eight, Stuart, is it? No, it's, it's not, not eight. eight. But but Hamilton might have been a bit better on that day. They might have been because, to put it bluntly, they were guff on, yes. <laughs> on Sunday, weren't they? 
to be polite. To be polite. Just how, how impressive were Rangers? Like realistically, I don't I don't know if any of us actually yeah, watched massively. the game. but on you go. I just just massively impressive. Really, they just you know there's there's a little bit of more pressure. Just you know, Celtic had won against Motherwell four one, so they needed to keep that advantage, and they did it without hesitant. And just, they're just phenomenal, really, all in all. And I think that just does show how good Rangers are this season, especially after a pretty disappointing result in the midweek after throwing away the 3-1 lead against Benfica. Just to answer back with that, I think it does show the mentality of these players is very good. No, definitely. Uh, Sean, as good as Rangers were, Hamilton were even worse, as we've already alluded to. And we've been contemplating the possibility of Aki's finally dropping down in the championship at the end of the season since before this season started. But surely this is an indication of how right we could end up being. Do you want some further indication, Jack? Because I've got numbers. Get, oh, I love numbers, Sean. Talk to, the, talk to me about numbers. Numbers. Uh, not my numbers. It's via... Uh, no, I, don't, I don't care about your numbers. Give me Hamilton numbers. Well, no, like, I've not found the stats myself. I'm giving credit oh, to Nadie's uh, Topoker, the Twitter account. Um, this is Hamilton Aki's worst start to a Premiership or SBL season ever. Uh, their worst start in the top flight since 1988-89 and their worst start to a season in any division since 95-96. So, we might all, wow. everyone might be saying, oh, Hamilton always a bit rubbish and they pull themselves out, but this is the most rubbish they've been in a long, long time. And uh, oh, both those previous seasons I mentioned, they are both ended in relegation. And I can, I said at the start of the season and a lot of people thought, you're ridiculous for saying that. But it just comfortably, they just comfortably are the worst team in the league. Mm. If you look at that start of the you look at the players, I mean, it's not a massively high-quality premiership this season, but if you even look, look at the likes of Simmons and Ross County, who are probably most likely to be down there with them, mm-hmm. they're just, like, it is, there's still a, a noticeable gulf in talent there. And um, I don't know, I've seen people sort of say that Rice should be sh- sacked and who should come in. And the number one name seems to be Doogie Emery. Like, yeah. why? Like, what's that going like, to change about this Hamilton team? They're just still going to be the same, I think. I don't think it's a, a lack of faith in Brian Rice or he's necessarily getting his tactics wrong. Obviously, there's something going a bit wrong if you're going to be 8 now in your bottom of the league. But I don't know. I think that um, they're just not up to scratch for the Premiership this season, I don't think. I think I'd want to go on record and say that when when I posed the question of Hamilton getting relegated in that uh, season preview podcast that mm-hmm. you and I did, uh, a certain Jamie McIntosh berated me and openly called me a fool for suggesting yeah. the idea. Yeah, and we're on track to be spot on, I think. So. I think a, a bit of egg on the face for Mr McIntosh, it could <laughs> we'll end up see. being. That, we'll, we'll see. When it's, oh, it's yeah. definitely <laughs> getting clipped. That's a culture now. <laughs> Great. It was, I mean, there's a, there is a lot of talk about Brian Rice. You've said it already, and he's fast becoming the front runner to become uh, the first uh, manager in the Scottish top flight to get sacked mm-hmm. this season. But I mean, his post match comments were something to be <laughs> something to be beheld. And I think what was it? Uh, he was quoted saying, "Southampton lost nine 0 last season and were top of the league this weekend. Things can change very quickly in football." Oh, I can't it's wait. Not for wrong. It's a stark It's a stark contrast between Southampton going on a very good run and ended up at, up amongst the top runners this top season. Top of the championship, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> exactly. You need, you need to stay to in the league first to actually be able to be in with a shout of claiming that. I mean, yeah. what what do we make of that? I mean, are we expecting any sort of turnaround in Hamilton's results, or is it likely to be doom and gloom from here on in? See, see, with that kind of comment, I'm I'm thinking about. It. I guess. There could be a lot worse things you can say after you've beaten after you've been beaten eight 0 You know what? What can you really say at that point? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, he openly he openly took the blame, right? I mean, yeah. I think he did he did say like I'll hold my hands up and it it was all the blame should fall on me that, that it wasn't the player's fault. But I mean, I don't know. It it just seemed like a very very poor day. I think uh, it, it was the chat that you did the uh, preview podcast with Ben McNichol tweeted out mm-hmm. a picture and I think it was literally just 8-0 was the caption and the picture was just a banner that read our expectations were low but holy fuck <laughs> <laughs> it's true that happens every time you go to play the old film and maybe you slightly think oh imagine we could nick some sort of result today Hamlet did it last time they played at Ibrox um, 
they managed to get a win. There. I know that that's thinking thinking just back the to contrast. the start of the start of the year, kinda of March time, they got a one 0 win away at Ibrooks and now this has happened. It's also indicative of how much of a better said Rangers are. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Like the fact that they could rotate so many players, uh, Jermaine Defoe started, Kamar Roof started, uh Hollander was on the bench, was it Leon Balligan who was playing alongside him, uh Conor Goldson. And then at half time because you're four 0 up, uh, Zungu can get forty five minutes. Uh, Calvin Bassey I think came on yeah Calvin Bassey came on as well so it's just fantastic to see and the main thing that comes out of that game is that Steven Gerrard took Ryan Jack off at half time to give him a rest for the playoff final and he said he he said that didn't he I know and I'm no I'm no Steven Gerrard fan I think he's he's uh, growing on me for that one (laughs) but the fact he said he's got a big final got to respect that and also because Steven Gerrard has been very critical of the national team's handling of Ryan Jacks, the sort of the way they manage mm-hmm. his injuries and his physical state. Uh, the fact that he did that, Steven Gerrard, you've you've earned my respect. Well done. It means that Ryan Jacks now in a much better position to absolutely pocket Sergei Milinkovic Savic on Thursday. And if there's any any manager in the Scottish Premiership that knows big finals and big finals, it will be Steven Gerrard right now, having played in that many as a player. So I think oh, what a guy. He'll, he'll, he's, so he's, what we're going to say is Ryan Jack is going to do for us what Gerard did in 2005 so, I'd say so. no, no we're not going to go 3 some, down make a note don't that, be that a clip? is that a clip don't be ridiculous <laughs> we're not going 3-0 down I'd be happy with that because Scotland have never missed in a penalty shootout so if it does True. come to that True. It comes True. to that. Uh, we'll move across and start looking at Rangers' title rivals, even though they're a wee bit further back just now. Uh, Celtic get rid of any European hangouts from Thursday night and flip their scoreline against Sparta Prague on its head against Motherwell, winning 4 1 away at Far Park with Mo El Yunusi scoring a hat trick before Olivier and Cham rounded off the scoring. Sean, a much more assured performance from Celtic in this one. What did you make of it? They, they were better, but they still weren't great, basically, is the, the takeaway from that game. Um, they came uh, I don't know I was going to say they came flying at the traps a bit but Motherwell had their a couple of penalty shouts and good chances from set pieces um, and it was just a case of uh, Celtic finally being a bit more clinical with their chances they created more chances it, it was very different from if you say a few weeks ago that performance at McDermott Park where they just couldn't really cut Saints open and um, it was late goals from Lee Griffiths and Patrick Lamala that mm-hmm. got on the win. Um, this wasn't as sort of uh, turgid as that. They did look to be a bit more creative, and a lot of that's down to the fantastic form of Tom Rogic. He's been. Um, you made the point on Sunday, didn't you, in the group chat? He's just, like, he's always been a quality player. I said it maybe a few years ago. He was the best player in the country, quite comfortably, and but I, I know Struan said that it was crazy to think that he could have left, but I don't think. I wasn't really when that those rumours were there over the summer I wasn't like oh that's going to be a massive loss to Celtic I think he's done I think it was at a point last season where he couldn't play more than an hour um, but it's, it's fantastic and mm. he's provided a real creative spark to this Celtic side so um, Stephen Robinson said after the game that he thinks that the scoreline flatters Celtic a bit and makes it seem like a rout when it wasn't I think that is true but improvement from Celtic and they'll be hoping to carry on if they're going to close that gap uh, Struan, we spoke last week about Motherwell's uh, season getting back on track, and by and large it has. And in any normal circumstances, a loss like this could be heavily, more heavily scrutinised. But when you factor in the fact that we're just about to hit an international break, and it was a Celtic team that desperately needed a win, and Neil Lennon being on the brink of getting the sack himself, should Motherwell really be concerned with a loss like this? No, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, the record between these two at Motherwell is very heavily in Celtic's favour, to be honest, and Robinson's record against Celtic pretty poor as well so but as, as Sean said I think I think there were positives to take away from the Motherwell performance as well and on another day it could have been turned around I mean they did make the game 2-1 at one point mm-hmm. and I thought from there I, th- I think Graham said in the chat this could get very interesting but then like four minutes later or something like that El Yunusi went and scored again and it just kind of put the game to bed but it was very nice of Celtic to let Declan Gallagher get a goal and boost his confidence for Thursday there we go there we go That's, you stole my thunder and I'm also, sorry. Uh, this Motherwell defence has kept, uh, before this game, four clean sheets at our last five. So you'll be hoping that Declan Gallagher and Stephen O'Donnell will be uh, focusing on those performances rather than a pretty tough one against Celtic. Yeah, definitely. I think Cole was lucky to be on the pitch as well, to be honest, after yeah, that challenge of Pong. <laughs> that's a red card, 100%. <laughs> it's 100%. <laughs> 
Uh, Sean, you mentioned McDermott Park. Unfortunately, we're going to have to take a take a wee look at the the result from that game. Uh, so that uh, St Johnson, sorry, managed to make it three league games without a loss on Saturday afternoon, defeating Kilmarnock one 0 at home with a Dan McNamara goal being enough to earn all three points. Sean, what were your uh, thoughts on the, not only the result but Kelly's performance in this one as well? First of all, I'd like to say. I'm absolutely disgusted with Saints TV for charging me £17.50 to watch this game. What? £17.50 to watch St Johnston versus Kilmarnock on a Friday night. £17.50 of the Queen's finest silver. That, absolutely. <laughs> and I would also like to say I'm disgusted with Kilmarnock Football Club for making my £17.50 mean that I see zero shots on target against St Johnston. So... <laughs> You could have bought West Brom Fulham and had three quid left to spare. I could have. <laughs> I really, I really, and I probably would have enjoyed it more. I bet that's a game with change. <laughs> I just, oh, I understand the pricing thing. I wish we all agreed on the same price. But I pay £17 to go to Rugby Park in person and sit there and watch people live and be in a stadium. £17.50 to sit in my bed. And watch it on a laptop, like, oh. Um, and then Kamara didn't make it any better by being absolutely rubbish. Um, just no sort of creative spark. One chance, a header from a corner that crashed off the bar. And that really was it. St Johnson weren't great either. It was a, no. a pretty rubbish game of football. Ali McCann uh, was the only real positive spark in the entire game. Um, but I... Uh, Kelly seemed to have be onto something with the four four two. Brophy and Kamamba linking up really well, and I guess we do have a lot of good central midfielders: Malumbu, Dicker, Power, and Tishbola. So I don't know if we're just trying to cram as many of those in as we can, but it's not paying off in a in an attacking sense. And Dyer's under a bit of pressure from f- fans again. Okay, just gonna see. Not me. Not not you, but fans. No, fans. <laughs> People actually like Kamamba. <laughs> <laughs> Folk that aren't actually having to be critical of come on it because they're on a football podcast. That exactly. Uh, Struan, it wasn't a great weekend for your club either. Uh, Hibs had another unfortunate weekend losing away to Tawdry on Saturday with Aberdeen frontman Sam Cosgrove scoring the second of Derek McKinnis' side's two goals. His first of the season. Uh, what did you make of this performance from a Hibs point of view? Do you reckon spirits were just low after there was a lack of Hibs representation in uh, Scotland squad or was it something else? I, th- I think losing this semi-final to Hearts is always going to be a massive blow for the team, to be honest, and it would definitely have been waiting in on them coming into this game. It wasn't the worst Hibs showing, you know, the first goal is probably preventable, but it was just a lot of the time this season in the big games, Hibs have struggled. We saw it in the previous one against Aberdeen in the 1-0 defeat, you know, that was a massive game. Again, we saw it in the semi-final, saw it against Celtic this season as well, as Hibs always, you know, give Celtic victories, it was a pretty poor performance, so... For me personally, it's a bit of a worrying sign because I had had hopes that Hibs would finish third, as did uh, somebody on extra time with a big shout, I believe. But you know, Aberdeen now also have a game in hand, so was that the classic? I think there will be a bounce back. Shout? I think they'll need. Sorry, was that the classic one stall shout that the <laughs> team of third will finish third? But we we still could. I I do, I do have faith. I think the squad will definitely improve. I'm quite. I'm a bit upset that there's no Hibs representation in the Scotland squad, especially since there is now Hearts representation in the Scottish squad, but I guess that's... Uh, we'll get in next time. Andy <laughs> At least we have an got excuse a clean for sheet. it. Yeah, Sorry. there it is. <laughs> Andy Considine, clean sheet. And, As did um, Ross McCrory, if that counts. Is he in the squad? No, but he could. You never know. Big game for the 21s this week as well. If they win, I would, I would imagine that if there was a player to get called into the main team again, I think McCrory would probably be one of the first ones there. Because he can play everywhere. Yeah, he can. He really can. He's our Fabian Delph. <laughs> that. What? Well, well, aye, that. That's, that sounds like more of a dig at I know, it does. <laughs> Sorry, McCoy. Uh, Sean, Hibs aside, I did mention there that Sam Cosgrove made his mark on a game for the first time this season after mm-hmm. sustaining an injury back in July. Uh, how important is it for a player of his ability to be back amongst the goals? Surely it makes the battle for a third a lot more interesting. It does definitely. I mean, um, I said on extra time that actually Cosgrove getting injured was a really good thing for Aberdeen because they've changed their play style. Mm-hmm. But now, if you can make the most of a very good finisher and an effective striker, which Sam Cosgrove has shown himself to undoubtedly be, with this uh, 
much more sort of fluid and entertaining style of football. If they go back to just uh, punting it up, then uh, McInnes will be back under pressure again. But I think that Cosgrove can fit this new style of play and the fact they got a goal on, on Friday night proves that. Uh, we'll drop down the division just to give you a quick run-through of the championship highlights and the results from the second tier. Uh, Hearts made it from 4-4 four from four after defeating Inverness. Uh, Cali Thistle at Tynecastle. Liam Boyce scoring uh, the winning goal in a 2-1 victory for the second weekend in a row. Montrose had their second five-goal thriller in two weeks. Unfortunately, they were on the receiving end of a 5-0 pasting at the hands of Sean McGuigan's Wraith Rovers. Arbroath and Queen of the South picked up their first point of the season each after drawing against each other, while Alloa also picked up their first point of the season after drawing with Dundee on Friday night in a far more entertaining game. Rounding out the championship fixtures are my, were my own Air United, who played easily one of the most boring games of the weekend, playing at a dull 0-0 draw at home to Dunfermline. Which, from an Air point of view, isn't awful, considering how kind of highly talked up Dunfermline have been for this season, but it's not exactly... Anything too exciting, and it means. Did Ennis play? Ennis came off the bench. Uh huh. They spelled his name wrong in the Twitter, so I don't think he'll uh-huh. ever play again. <laughs> He's striking now. <laughs> uh, I he, he, I didn't, I just caught highlights, so and there weren't really many of them, so I don't really I can't mm. really speak for how he got on. Unfortunately, another thin sheet for Craig Gordon, who is now in the Scotland squad. No, it wasn't. Was it not? It was two one to Hearts actually. <laughs> It's only one goal conceded by Craig Gordon as he gets go, go and look at how David Marshall played. Go and look up how Cardiff got on at the weekend. Uh, we're going to move south of the border. It's Derby. It's Derby. Oh, it's Derby. Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> I'm living in the past. Living in the past. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm on it. They, <laughs> they lost 2-0 to Oh, Barnsley. God. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked. I should not have asked. John um, McLaughlin kept a clean sheet. Didn't even consider a shot. That's nothing to do with him. nothing to do with him. Is Robbie McClure still in the squad or did he miss no. out for Gordon? He, I think he's he missed out because he's been shocking for a living. Uh, we're going to move down south of the border to take a look at some of the biggest results from the Premier League over the weekend. It was another hallmark result for Dean Smith's Aston Villa as they went to the Emirates taking away all three points by scoring three all three of the game's goals. Both these teams seem to thrive on inconsistency this season. After last week's results, you'd almost expect this result to be flipped, but Villa striker Ollie Watkins had other ideas. I'm going to pose a question. Are Aston Villa good? Yes. Jack Grealish and John McGinn are very good. Um, Just what John McGinn needed. Just what John McGinn needed. Yeah, I think so. It's it's crazy to think that Aston Villa are in the Premier League because of the, the, the flaw in the Hawkeye goal system last season, isn't it? And now they look like one of the best sides. They've beaten Arsenal and Liverpool this season. Well, beating Arsenal isn't so far from the norm. I mean, they beat them 1-0 last, <laughs> in July last season. So That's true, actually. On, on, really on nice the road to their uh, survival. That was a massive game in terms of their own survival. So It really is. Something, something that I picked up from this game that really struck me as odd from an Arsenal point of view. It, Thomas Partey. So he's, he's been putting in some very decent performances in Arsenal's midfield so far this season. And it really made me question why, at 1-0 down, Mikel Arteta took him off for Danny Ceballos. I understand that Ceballos is a, arguably a more creative midfielder. But if, if I'm Arteta, I would maybe consider taking off a striker that's not doing much, moving the most natural goal scorer <laughs> at the club, the most prolific goal scorer at the club, into his natural striker position, and keeping Partey on to stop any chance of... Our, hinder any chance of Villa breaking forward and getting another goal but do, do we reckon it was just a case of Mikel Arteta getting this one wrong in terms of his tactics and his management I, I think so I think one thing Aston Villa have is a very strong midfield and instantaneously from the lineups you know in the centre Arsenal were a man down in that area mm. I'm not quite sure I know that it was the exact same team that beat Man United comfortably the week before mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why they stuck to the same thing given that they were now A the home team and B more likely to dominate the possession on paper, that is anyway. I'm surprised they stuck with the back three, stroke five, whatever you want to call it. And again, I'm quite surprised. You know, there was no Pepe in that lineup. It mm-hmm. Chose William ahead of him, and as we've mentioned again, Abamyang playing on the left wing, and then taking uh, Thomas Partey off rather than El Nene. There was just a whole host of issues within that squad, and it seems that getting the the Spanish call up has just distracted Bellerin from playing completely. <laughs> 
I saw a tweet, I can't remember who it's from, but um, it, was, it was saying that, um, it was somebody at the game, and they were saying that you could hear Mikel Arteta almost instructing every single pass that um, Arsenal were making, apparently. Well, you're sitting with a PlayStation controller today. Pretty, it was just constant instruction. That was a through ball! It's going to confuse players, like, they're not... Um, He's very animated, isn't he? He's got, like, Guardiola. You shouldn't maybe a case over of over management. Yeah, yeah, that's what I think. I think there's a case of that, and he's obviously very meticulous. I think he'll end up being a good coach. I I, I want to talk a bit about the sort of reaction to this because I think I said it last week when we were talking about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, mm-hmm. and it's so boring to go every time Arsenal lose a game. Arteta's not up to the rubbish. Mm-hmm. It's not the way forward. And every time they win a game, then. They're on cloud nine, everything's fantastic. Yeah. It's the same with United, um, with social United. It's the same to a degree with Lampard at Chelsea. It's so boring. Like, why can we not have a more detailed and nuanced discussion than just lose game, manager bad, win game, manager good? Like, and I think I think part of it has it'll come down to the fact I think it's only these three clubs because they're all new managers, in the sense that it's the first real time that they've had a massive club to handle, and because no one's really seen their managerial expertise. I mean. No one's really paying attention to Solskjaer when he was managing Mulder or Cardiff. Mm. Uh, this is Arteta's first job, and it's Lampard's third year in management at his second club. So I think people are still trying to f- sound out whether they are good or not because they've not had the time and experience of being able to watch somebody like Sean Dyche, who we know has done a lot of good with the uh, facilities he's had at him, or someone like Pep Guardiola, who we know has a fantastic coach but has a tendency to just self-implode. I would, like, I'd agree with you if I felt like people were actually trying to sound them out or if yeah, they were just not, being completely okay, yeah, reaction, reactionary to every single result. Like, you can't just say... That is, that is a danger, but it's, it's three big clubs, it's three of the biggest clubs in the country, and people, and people and are just so quick yeah, to expect yeah. a level of performance from these three clubs, regardless of who the manager and the players are. I think I people think, see the club before they see the personnel, personally. I think one of the things that, and it is quite the case for Chelsea, Arsenal and United, is that that inconsistency and almost the false hope you get, you know, one week, for, for just don't take Arsenal for example, you know, one week you beat Man United very well and you think, right, we go on from here and, you know, we're, we're turning the page and then they instantly yeah. get absolutely battered by Aston Villa and it's, you're, you know, you're right back to, you're back to step one. It's, you know, it's one step forward, one step back and I think that's the, it's just the anger of no progression but I, I do agree it's completely so reactionary. I mean, I mean, it was, I, I'm case in point because I came in at the, this weekend very very confident about Chelsea's uh, chances against at home to Sheffield United then David McGoldrick scored a back heeled flick after 8 minutes and I'm just thinking right what's this about then how's this happened and then then any doubt was put to bed because Chelsea reacted fantastically and went on to score 4 but I think it is just that you can almost have a precursor of how you think the game's going to go and if you think it's going to go well and it all like goes straight it goes poorly I think you then just start calling everything into question. I think the heart rules over the head in that sense. It's much easier to blame one manager than 11 players, isn't it? Yeah, you you stand by that a lot. You said the same on Ramble on Friday, didn't you? Yeah. (laughs) One of my many rants about Solskjaer. See, I'm I'm a bad example of this because... No, but that was a a good rant, though. That that was was exactly what Sean's talking about. That was a good, structured and thoughtful look at the situation at United. I've always found your analysis of Solskjaer detailed and it goes back it's not just based on that game that we just watched you talk about other mm-hmm. events you link it to like the fact that you just jump out there not you sort of people jump out there with any sort like a massive opinion based on one game like if you can't see that Arteta's got a decent project going then I'm not saying he's definitely going to be success that's not but you can't start having conversations about Mikel Arteta's job yet or if he's good just give him time and it's I been like 11 months all... he's had it <laughs> I, I, I guess it's I know it's a fair amount of time, but I just think that he needs. It's Arsenal aren't the force they used to be. And I get that's hard for fans, mm-hmm. United fans, Chelsea fans. They're all the same. They all want this to be the manager who takes them back to the glory days. And if they've not got the immediate sort of inkling that he's going to be the one, then they want rid and they want the change. But just like it's just so so boring. And I think it sort of mm-hmm. just feeds into the sort of like culture that social media and Twitter and all that sort of stuff. No, I think, I think that's, I think that's a massive contributing factor is the fact that social media and herd mentality has grown so much in just, terms of watching football. I think a lot of like yeah. fan channels as well. Of course, one of the things we always you know that that Wenger out movement 
to the, to the point it almost became a meme you know it, it, it was it was completely yeah. a meme wasn't it and, and then uh, e- even when you know results were bad under emery Lundberg, you would still see wenger out trending and stuff like that just because the lasting impact that that had but when you you take it into consideration and one of the greatest managers in premier league history yeah is largely now being remembered for oh wenger out not the invincible season not everything he did you know changing the culture making incredible teams just oh wenger out you know, he yeah. finished terribly and stuff like that. And I'm not just trying to specify Arsenal with that. I think that's the case with a lot of different yeah. mm-hmm. managers around football that you want them to be remembered for what they did. And I think in a case like Jose Mourinho could be one of them. I think his time at Man United, you know, he did he did win trophies, albeit not the best ones. He's probably going to be more remembered for you know I have I have three Premier League trophies. <laughs> The comeback against Juventus when he smashed the bottles on the ground and stuff like Mourinho's that. Mourinho's a clip manager. If yeah. we're talking in terms of how we how we react to one another on this, and that's how people consume their football. That's yeah, what and, I, and I think that's like, why the discussions like that because yeah. we're all clickbait on Talksport and we're all look at that funny video on Twitter. Like it's too quick. It's too. It's not detailed enough. It's and that's why we're in the situation we are with these discussions about managers. It, it, it's just the point, the point not everyone's a football journalist at the end of the day so everybody's not going to consume their football I think it's some of the media as well and obviously we're going to and I'm not one to criticize I'm still we're still learning but I do think <laughs> some parts of the media do do this as well where it's mm-hmm. just quick and that's how they get the readers that's absolutely fine um, and I'm not saying that I'll never write a piece question a manager quickly I just mean that Overall, I think yeah. the conversation from fans, from media, um, from coming out from clubs themselves, I think needs to just be a bit more detailed, a bit more focused. No, but the main I, thing is, John McGinn got a win. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing is, Kieran Tierney somehow ended up in the deck after trying to play a simple pass as well. That's two international breaks in a row where John McGinn's pumped one of his Scotland teammates. It's a precursor. It's a, it's a recipe for What happened last time? Three wins out of three. <laughs> Come on! What's happened this time? <laughs> World domination. We're going to the Euros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's getting clipped. <laughs> that's going to end up getting clipped. Oh, so much of what you say this week is going to end up getting clipped if it goes badly. Sean, I can tell already. I must state already, actually. Can't <laughs> three more days. Oh my god. Right. Well, fire through a couple of the other big Premier League games before we get on to the last X challenge. Uh, Sunday also saw a massive clash between City and Liverpool, with this one being shared uh, between the two most recent title winners. Mo Salah opened the scoring with a penalty after Kyle Walker brought down Sadio Mane in the box, before Gabby Hazel's toe poke to pass Allison after taking it very well to level things up. Kevin De Bruyne could have put City in front with a penalty of his own after it was adjudged that uh, Joe Gomez handled the ball, which... And we're not going to get into VR as well this week because it could go on for hours this podcast. But the Belgian playmaker sent his spot kick wider than Mark. A draw fair result, do we reckon? Um, yeah. I know I said uh, we shouldn't be simplifying our, our football discourse, but I'm going to go with first half good, second half bad. Good. And, <laughs> yeah. The expression That's... of it was a game of two halves. It, it, it just wasn't. That, that is, that is how that. to put like a professional spin on a simple concept <laughs> first half good, second half bad it was a game of two halves sometimes it may be good, sometimes not so good <laughs> Jim, I've already said the F on this podcast, you could have said it <sighs> had the opportunity yeah. uh, I missed uh, it uh, <laughs> <laughs> how no, did but, I um, play at the weekend? sorry <laughs> yeah. um, Liverpool came out really uh, really strong at the box here Um and I actually loved the analysis from Gary Neville for City's goal because just instantly from the replay he already knows what he's going to say and he details exactly how Gabriel Jesus scores that goal. Mm-hmm. Sadio Mane's out of position so Gino Wijnaldum has to come out to the right hand side the way that City are attacking um, mm-hmm. has to come out to the right hand side which leaves the space for Ferran Torres? I don't know. Um, a quick ball inside. Oh no, it was De Bruyne. De Bruyne, wasn't it? De Bruyne. Mm-hmm. Ah, De Bruyne got the ball. Feeds Jesus. Um, and Jesus does... The, did he mean the touch? I'm going to go with yes. I think Gabriel Jesus is quite an intelligent striker. And um, I think the uh, slander of Gabriel Jesus has been a bit over the top from some quarters of energy sport. Um, <laughs> who went and said that? <laughs> oh, I don't know who that could be. Strange. You, you've got, you've not got an idea, no. I'm, I'm not sure that he's the a successor, but I think I prefer not uh, to speak. If I speak, I'm in big trouble. I think he's a decent striker. No, he's got he's got good numbers. Like he he, he does score goals. We can't we can't uh, we can't uh, dispute that he does score goals. 
and we have given, intelligent as well. And we have given him a bit of stick in the past, Drew, and, and I think you and I more than more than most. We've not exactly called him bad. We've, just we've not, not said he's bad, but we just say. I think, I think you're spot on with the Aguero. Was, you know, he's, he's yeah. replacing mm-hmm. such a big striker. You know, one of the best ever. That, that's, that's what Aguero's I've, so underrated as well. He's, like. he's underrated in terms mm-hmm. of elite Premier League strikers. He's, he's almost never in the conversation, which is an absolute travesty because he's been the best striker of the 2010s in the Premier mm-hmm. League comfortably. Harry Kane, a, a fairly close second, you would say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, I don't know, Like he, he, I saw highlights for this game because I was out at uh, uh, the Hibs Women game yesterday and didn't get to see the full 90, but I saw highlights, and I don't know, I felt like he looked a bit more switched on, he looked a bit sharper in this one, like, and especially when Aguero can start talking to other clubs next uh, in two months' time to potentially uh, end his City career and potentially go back to Argentina. Is it really important now that Gabi Jesus does try and look as sharp and as on top of things as possible to avoid City potentially just going out and getting a brand new Aguero replacement that he has to play second fiddle to again? I think yeah, I think so. Especially, especially as we've seen, you know how willing City are to buy a replacement before they've even sold the yeah. player who's going out. I think I think he'll definitely want to step up. I think one of the big steps was just seeing, you know, when when Guardiola came in, he actually played quite often ahead of Aguero just because he would do a lot more work than him. So I mm-hmm. think just track it back, etc. So I think there is that confidence that Guardiola has in Jesus. But at the same time, somebody of Aguero's numbers, you know, it's going to be incredibly difficult to replace. You know, you always talk about how certain clubs still haven't replaced such and such from like three or four years ago and I, th- I think it will be quite a similar impact to there No, definitely, I do agree with that It's it, a, goal, a goal scorer of Aguero's credibility is just always going to be a mess no matter what club he's playing at uh, we'll, we'll, What time are we at? For, 46 minutes of recording just now we, we spent a lot of time talking to the managers I'll just rush through a couple of other uh, big points from the Premier League uh, it was it was a Saturday of playmakers in London. Uh, Crystal Palace's Eberechi uh, Eze uh, took the their game with a scruff of the neck and led his side to a four one win over Leeds United, which I think shocked a lot of us that Crystal Palace scored four goals, especially against Leeds that have looked fairly good at this like so far throughout the season. But I suppose this does highlight the fact that the defence has been called into question more often than not uh, across London. Hakim Ziyech was the man. Hakim Ziyech, sorry, I should say that's a connect pronunciation. Thank you, Simon Johnson. Ziyech. Ziyech. Mm, I'll try and bear that in mind. Uh, he assisted to and had a hand in a lot of the play in Chelsea's 4-1 victory over Sheffield United. Uh, for, for me personally, as a Chelsea fan, this was a very, very good showing for uh, a team that's just going into the international break. I was very impressed, especially at the response that uh, we drew from Sheffield United's opener last season. That's a lost game. Like we don't win that game because we've not got the players and we've not got the motivation. We've not got the mindset to be able to switch back on and really turn the game around. But with the inclusion of the likes of Ziyech and I think Ben Chilwell's been one of the signings of the season. He's been absolutely phenomenal for Chelsea since starting. We really turned the game around, and I can say hand and heart after seven years. I don't think I remember as influential as a performance as Ziyech put in that Willian ever did. <laughs> and th- and that's I mean he scored like he scored uh braces in games and I don't I discredit him for that whatsoever. He scored uh both goals in the two 0 win against Tottenham last Christmas. But in terms of having an overall impact, overall control in a game, I've I've never seen that. So I think the upgrade is massive. Certain in my outlets that claim that Willian was a better player than Ziyech the card's been marked. Uh, I, I think it's almost ironic how poor performance William put on for Arsenal in the same weekend that Ziyech puts on an, an incredible one. Mm. I think I've, I've, Unbelievable business, I think, in my opinion. That. I certainly enjoyed it. Uh, and of course, we've all had a lot to say about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer recently and Struan's view on the United manager was very well put across and documented on Friday's episode of the Fantasy Ramble, so make sure to check that out if you've not already. Uh, with the job seemingly on the line once again, he produced the result, defeating Everton 3-1 away at Goodison Park. Struan, a result that was sorely needed before going into the international break. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely massive result. You know, as we said about the jobs being on the line, very, very poor results against Arsenal in Istanbul Bishak's year. So, under the strong performance, and a, a really big defeat in my opinion for Everton once again, that's three in a row now for them, after an incredible start to the season. Mm-hmm. It kind of seems like normality is returning. 
Hopefully not too much because that would mean Liverpool start dominating the league again and we don't like that when that happens. Who would have thought it that Everton were getting too much praise and the wheels were going to come off? (laughs) Who'd have thunk it? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) need Top to be fair though, like, this was going to be 1970 Brazil turning up against Everton because all the stars <laughs> were on the line. So True. I don't really think Everton stood a chance, True. even if Richarlison oh, was playing. Funny. I thought it was brave I'd... of um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to play Scott McTominay out of his natural position of right centre back, but I thought it paid off quite well. He, he had a good See, game, I, th- I think he? it works quite well because he can drop into that once Wambasaka kind of pushes a little bit mm. up. What's also incredible is that Luke Shaw, who has seven assists in seven years at Man United has now had two assists two games in a row which you could argue is down to form however I believe it is more the fact that there is now a good left back at the club and he almost got back into the England team he was tipped to be but then obviously Ben Chilwell has probably been the best left back in the league this season and once again Shaw will not be making it so he's he's having to step up which is pretty incredible another player who I've slagged off recently you have but just touching on Everton, They're, they have a favourable run going into December, going into the Christmas period. They have, uh, f- where are we? Fulham away after the international break. Then they're playing Leeds at home and Burnley away before they play host to Chelsea in the middle of December. So maybe it's just a wee blip and they'll get back on top of things after the international break because we've seen teams do that already this season where they've come back after the international break and have looked a lot more refreshing, a lot more composed, I should say. So we're going to move on to our final segment, which is Last Ditch Challenge, which sees us pulling together all the biggest stories from across the rest of the footballing world over the passing weekend, while also previewing any big matches from the week ahead, and I think we might have one we want to talk about. But before we get to that, we're going to look at a couple of stories from across Europe, starting in Germany, where Struan Garvey could celebrate once again as Bayern Munich uh, reigns supreme over rivals Borussia Dortmund in their Klassiker. Despite Dortmund taking the lead on the stroke of half-time through captain Marco Royce, David Alaba managed to equalise before the referee blew his whistle. A 17th goal for Robert Lewandowski against his former club saw Bayern take the lead at the start of the second half, with Leroy Sané extending this lead with 10 minutes left to play. Erling, Han- Erling Haaland sorry, uh, secured a very well-taken goal to reduce the deficit to one, but it was too little too late for uh, Dortmund. That win saw Bayern move top of the table. Struan, considering how dominant they've uh, they've been, and especially in this game, when Lewandowski himself could have had a hat-trick if not for two goals being ruled out by VAR, are we expecting them to repeat more domestic success this year as they've done for years gone by now? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, once again, it's going to be tough to challenge them. You know, Dortmund are a good side, but I mean, Bayern Munich are just incredible. I think this game really showed it. You know, that Dortmund even took the lead and I'd, from what I've seen so far, I'm not quite sure Dortmund are even as good as they were last season. Yeah, they've not really. I've not really seen that many plaudits about them. No, I mean the loss of Hakimi is going to be quite big. But one of the players Massive. who's just never talked about this season, as far as I'm aware, is Jadon Sancho, who you know last season lit up the Bundesliga and everything like that. And I, I don't think he's really had a good game this season so far. I think a lot of the praise has mostly been on Haaland, and that's about it, really. Understandable though, because Sancho was the the biggest one, the biggest uh, youngster in the in the league until Haaland arrived, and now yeah, it's almost it almost is like he's stolen his thunder, hasn't he? Mm, definitely. And they also Jude Bellingham. Jude Bellingham. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Reina, Reina, there's Reina, other yeah. exciting young, youngsters at Dortmund now as well. It's it's another rebuild process for Dortmund now, isn't it? Yeah. Just keep bringing in uh, a new batch of players to develop, and then probably eventually move on to Bayern Munich. <laughs> there was an interesting moment as well in that game where uh, Joshua Kimmich or Joshua Kimmich sorry tried to uh, tactical foul Erling Haaland on the breakaway but he didn't take him out because you know Haaland's very good yeah basically and Kimmich actually injured himself in the process well Which see is... if Kimmich hadn't hadn't done that and we were playing Norway I would have hunted them down but it's fine but it's fine but, because oh, we're, yeah, not, it's fine. we're not playing Norway are we we're playing Serbia so someone find Alexander Mitrovic and do him in. <laughs> Can't say that. I, I, I was hoping for like a Fabianski moment of madness or something in, the, in their game. Just spat them. Robert Snodgrass doing us all a favour. <laughs> I think it was Adam Ola-Lukman probably crushing his hopes and dreams by pinning that penalty down the middle <sighs> in the 99th minute. See, now Mitrovic is going to want to prove a point. He's going to try and Penenka against Scotland if that is if we give away a penalty. Which now is we won because we're solid. And Marshall's just going to catch it. Because yeah, Mitrovic is going to say, this is how you 
one-handed catch and just stare Mitrovic in the face the entire time. Baldy. And just hold that one-handed catch in the Baldy. pack. Baldy. <laughs> uh, right, one of the strangest results of the weekend came from La Liga on Sunday afternoon. Real Madrid suffered a 4-1 loss to Valencia away from home, which is already quite strange in itself. But the way in which Valencia won this match was something that I don't think I've ever seen before. You have Rangers. <laughs> Rangers do it at least once a season where they get eight penalties in a game and James Tavier scores them all. <laughs> Is that not what happened on Sunday? Yep, they only got Carlos one. Soler, I think it was only one. Carlos Soler scored a hat trick to secure this win. A hat trick of penalties and what's more it could have been four, but he missed his first spot kick and got the other three right. I genuinely took like couldn't explain what had happened. I mean, for a team like Real Madrid, Sean, like, surely that shouldn't happen. Javi Gracia is now thrashing Real Madrid and Watford in the Championship, and I think that is some beautiful justice right there, because um, he was sacked far too early after doing a very good job getting them to the FA Cup final, all that part. So he's laughing now. Valencia sold all their good players over. <laughs> uh, well, not all the good players, but a sizable amount of their squad because they're really struggling over the coronavirus mm-hmm. pandemic. And he's done, um, now they're getting big results against Real Madrid, which isn't actually that far out the norm recently, considering both Real Madrid is, and Barcelona. Is it a big win? <laughs> is it so, a big win? Or, uh, that's what I'm going to say. It's literally that um, Real Madrid have lost a couple of times already this season, and it's kind of wide open in the Liga, and I would very much like to see David Silva wave his magic wand one last time and get Real Sociedad to Sociedad. a title considering they're top of the league that was very well see, I like that see for teams one. like Sociedad and Atletico Madrid they're probably looking at this season and it's almost like you have to capitalise it's very much in my opinion Leicester 2015-16 you know the, your big your big hitters mm. are kind of falling away this is the opportunity you know take take it with both hands and I think it would be pretty incredible for David Silva to, to return to Spain to Sociedad no offence you know you, you wouldn't really tip them for a league title or anything to come back and win the title against Real Madrid and Barcelona, which could be Messi's last dance at the club as well. Time will tell, I suppose. Time will tell. Time will tell. Finally, we're unsurprisingly going to be taking a look ahead to Scotland's massive European Championship playoff final on Thursday night, with Steve Clark's side taking on Serbia with the prospect of a first international tournament appearance for us for the first time since 1998. A generational redemption. That's what it's going to be. None of us have ever seen our men's team at a national tournament. I'll stress men's team because the women's team did do very well in getting to the 2019 World Cup uh, finals. Uh, it's Yeah, it's a generational... Sean, just illustrate to me in as succinct as words as possible how much it means. Just while you did that we intro bit there my head was actually firmly on my desk like just like face down. Cause I why? Was it, why? Was it a bad intro of that? No, it was it was lovely. It was just I genuinely find this really stressful. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I'm so behind on uni deadlines and I <laughs> don't care at all because my soul focuses on this game. Like it's just I, I get really invested in Scotland. I don't know why. It always hurts, but the fact that it's ninety minutes, one game away against a team that is definitely better than us but they are there for the taking and it's and it's rubbish that nobody can be there it's rubbish that we know like, proper celebrations it's rubbish that there's not even a pub we can go to no I know but I just the moment I'm going to be a wreck on Thursday all day Thursday I, um, I don't think I'll be able to focus like honestly I feel like I'm quite glad we're not doing extra time on Thursday yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll put it. We'll put it yeah. out on Thursday. But yeah, that's the plan. Earlier on Thursday, so people have a, a decent time to, to listen. But even on Wednesday night, because you'll know by when we record that on Wednesday, <laughs> it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a mess. That podcast. <laughs> it will be a mess, but also it'll be brilliant. About twenty four hours before, we'll be, we'll be thinking that as we're recording this, roughly, we might we this might time be. tomorrow will be just before or just during the Scotty game, and I just can't take. The heartache again. No, honestly, I think that that's could finish me off. I've if got we... a radio show to do on Friday, early Friday afternoon. Can I, I call in? Can be... I call in and just cry? <laughs> I don't know if I'll be there if we lose. <laughs> Actually, don't. Or you're, or you're not going to be there. Friday. You're not going to be there mentally if we win because it's going to be all over the shop. We'll be in our WebEx on Friday, turn to 
put the cameras on and we'll all just be sitting there just sort of staring blankly at the computer screen. If, if, if we lose, I don't think I'm sleeping because I think I genuinely won't be able to get it off my mind. Like, I don't think I'll be able to stop. Like, being that upset, I'll just sit in the end of my bed, like, contemplating existence. I'll be thinking the worst things, like, what if it's... Sorry, you're right. No, that, Well, if it's, like, a late winner for them or something like that. Oh, no. Or, or, or we're winning and then we get equalised. See if it's another we score in the 90th and it's var Is it... I don't, I don't know if they will. I don't know. I, I don't know how it works. I feel like they might because it's a final. They didn't do it in the semi, did they? They didn't. No, there was no VAR in the semi. Oh, surely they keep consistency at least until the tournament. Hopefully, then. yeah, hopefully. Because we can't shit house our way to a win with VR. I need us to shit house our way to a win. That's what I'm saying. We're already getting there with shit house because half of Serbia's team can't play. They can! Have you seen this? Right, what, right, ex- right what's been the update? Because the last I saw of it, the Italian gov- governing bodies were not allowing players from a slew of Italian clubs and in Germany, Werder Bremen, they weren't allowing them to release their players for international duty. And then the bastards, Milinkovic Savic and <laughs> Kolarov, Kolarov, have already got to Serbia before this rule. <laughs> already there. Is not, so, I, I thought there was a concern about, there's not like a further concern about not even just getting to Serbia, but then getting back to Italy once they're there. Oh, it's not It's not worth playing then. You don't want to risk it. No, no, no. Yeah, no, no just uh, go back and quarantine so you're in time for a league game. Yeah, uh-huh, there you go. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> Le- league's more important. I, I, I just I just want John McGinn to just smash into Milankovic Savage. Honestly. I hold I hold no like grudge toward this man. I think he's a very talented footballer. But just That's for this for this game, just kick him, honestly. <laughs> I don't care what tactics we use, just boot him clean off the park. Just put a fit in. Oh, see, this is a game like I hate saying it because like it's it's a game you want like somebody around Portis's character to be going up against Mitrovic. Oh, anyone. Literally anyone. Just ge- I reckon... Genuinely, could you imagine like somebody like Porches, who's already like winding up the lights of Morelos, just gets, gets somebody like uh, Mitrovic just snap, pu- f- punch him and then get sent off? <laughs> now we're talking about Mitrovic. Like, I think, this sounds makes it weird, but I think Declan Gallagher physically would be fine. Yeah. But if he latches himself on to either Scott McTominay or Kieran Tierney... Surely he's playing through the middle. Gallagher got to play through the middle. And yeah, no, like, but I mean, like, so if he's if he's a striker up front by himself, like he could sort of like lean. To, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, go uh, to that channel. I uh, just that uh, excuse me. It might not be Tierney though. That's the that's the other thing. Yes, sir. I <laughs> Get Andy in. I, I want Andy Cosby to lead us to this. This new European championship. What 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 do we need to do? If Andy Constantine scores a winner, what's the promise we need to make? Twenty-four hour we'll, live energy extra time. <laughs> we'll recreate that video that he did for the <laughs> Fine. If Andy yeah, Constantine right. goes, we will do it. Fine. I'll say it. Graham Sinclair's Andy Constantine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there we go. Oh no. But now I'm, now I'm, now I'm not going to gonna celebrate happy. an Andy Constantine winner. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like a VAR celebration. It's like you celebrate for the first 30 seconds and you're like, shit, hold on. Oh, I can't deal. Uh, a, a price to pay for a European championship. I'll place. take it. I'll take I'll it. I'll do small anything. Small price to pay. A small price to pay. I'll do anything. Honestly, like, I, I don't what, think... We I, won, I, but at what did it cost I've, you? I've not had this like feeling before a game in years. Mm-mm. Genuinely, mm. like I couldn't tell you the last time I was this like jittery. It's a final. It's it a final. Scotland I don't, don't get a final. S- I don't it- see Kilmarnock in cup finals. I don't see Scotland in any sort of like, final. Obviously, we've not really got to a playoff final in a while. So feels like we've just- been part of it as well. You know, we've suffered through so many Scotland defeats mm-hmm. in the past. We've what? never seen our team at a major. That, that, that's, what, that's why I'm sitting. I'm 21 years old, and I have gone without Scotland at an international tournament my entire life. Why do I now feel like it's going to happen? It's all these major teams as well that take it for granted. Like, yeah, I'll be annoyed if we don't at least make the semi-finals in this tournament. And it's like, oh, tell me about England. it. Shut <laughs> off England, man. I, I'm saying that now. Like, I was going to say, I don't care if we get thrashed every single one, but if oh, we qualify, I'll be there like, <laughs> well, England. We'll be in England's we'll group be, if we qualify. Well. England, Croatia, Czech Republic. I can't wait for oh. that. Mate, we've, we've got Czech's number anyway. It's fine. So. We do. We do. And then and Croatia, we just need to recall Robert Snodgrass. 
Who did Croatia even have? England. Not, not heard any of them. Kovacic. <laughs> it doesn't even start for Chelsea anymore. Exactly. Lo- Lovren can hit a Ronaldo chop these days. <laughs> from outside the box. Does, uh, does Mandzukic still play? And then, and then, Lorna Barisic. Then, oh, Eng- yeah. then England, all we need to do is not play Stuart Armstrong and we've won the game. Yeah, easy. All we need to do is just put everybody on the right-hand side because they'll just be full of right <laughs> I saw the right-backs. <laughs> I'm actually boys, cradled up just now. Like I can't deal. All I'm going to say. All I'm going to say. One. One more game. Oh, uh, best believe, ladies and gentlemen, that we are going to be bringing you constant and quite in-depth content coming up on Energy Sport ahead of this playoff final. You've got this today. Tomorrow, uh, Sean is speaking to the chaps over at the Tartan Scarf for a more intellectual and in-depth look at. Better than what, us just greeting. Yeah, generally better than us just. <laughs> Less passionate, more insightful, but... But... but. <laughs> just passionate about it. <laughs> Can that be our new energy sport tag? <laughs> just, just more passion, less insight. Yeah. Oh, my God. That slogan. So we've got that coming out tomorrow. So I'm recording that this afternoon, and that's going to be a really good listen to make. So make sure to... I'll look out for that. Uh, do. I, we're recording extra time on Wednesday and I think just we're going to try and get everyone that wants to come on just on the podcast everyone pile on and I think, nobody should miss out from previewing this game no. it's the biggest game of a generation what I want to ask are, are we going full student podcast and drinking <laughs> because I see, so I've not got classes on a now. Thursday <laughs> Oh, neither we do. Neither we do, Strid. Neither we do. And we'll we do have a, one on a Friday, we'll but just depending a, on the result. We'll have just done a news day as well, Strid, so we deserve some... You need oh, I need to and submit an assessment. On yeah, exactly. Oh, what an excuse. See, even if there wasn't football, I think we've had a drink anyway. Yeah, to be fair. And then <laughs> Thursday, Thursday that's going to come out, and I'm also writing up a wee preview piece for what it actually means for someone of the... Uh, missing generation. How, how are generation we, how are we, Z. How are we categorising ourselves in terms of a Scotland, like a Scotland generation without, without football at an international tournament? Virgins. We're tournament <laughs> virgins. <laughs> we are. We're tournament virgins. The virgin. Sean has just collectively referred to everyone at Energy Sport. <laughs> Big massive virgins. End this podcast, end it now. <laughs> Not even just energy sport, just anyone in Scotland born after 1999 or 98, technically. Oh, no, virgin. Oh, Graham escapes it. He was 96. Even that lassie who had a bear in the S4, she's a virgin because she's never seen them in a major tournament. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm sorry, sh- that sh- was the stress. Sh- 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 don't, don't say that to Tartan Scarf, please. No, I won't. I'll be much more professional. <laughs> uh, that's going to do for us from this week. We will be really? back next Monday and either we will be bouncing off the walls or we Still. will be... Or technical difficulties will stop us Deep into recording. a depressive well. Uh, be sure to subscribe to Energy Sports Podcast feed wherever you get yours and follow us over on Twitter at ENRG Sport to make sure you keep up to date with everything that we've got coming out for this preview and beyond. I want to say a big thank you to Stuart and Sean for joining me in what has been... An emotional and well-structured in points podcast today. Uh, make sure to check out that extra time and all the coverage that we've got coming on this on this preview. Not the preview. I'm, I'm, I'm in my mind about this Scotland game. I can't even speak now about this playoff final that we've got coming this week. But until we see you next time, I have been Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for listening. We're one game away and we're going to see you next time. Virgins no more. 